Hebrews 12.1 says we are surrounded by witnesses and that we should cast off sin and obstacles that keep us from God. We are to run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is Cross Training. Building your faith to not only carry the cross of Christ, but to get up when you fall and run toward the finish line. Faith-filled business leaders and individuals share their testimony to inspire your journey. Now here's your host for Cross Training, David Anderson. This is David Anderson, and we're broadcasting from the beautiful Uptown Loyola Studios at Catholic Community Media. And we've got a great guest, Liz Creel. She's a parishioner with me at Holy Name. We go to the 6 o'clock Mass, and they sit behind us or in front of us, and they come in with these huge, huge young men. They all look looks like the offensive line for the New Orleans Saints. I think they were the offensive line for Jasper High School. And True. they start scuffling, and sometimes even though they're young men, they'll grab at each other and uh, – they're, they're, they're something. Uh, they're great to watch. The whole family comes to church on Sundays and goes to dinner, and they're just a beautiful family. But without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Liz Creel. She's a proprietor of Parkview Guesthouse. She's a mother of four amazing young men. Uh, I think two are married. One's on the way. Uh, three are married. Uh, one is married, and two are engaged. There we go. And... Um, and the other one has a girl, a long-term girlfriend as well. Her husband is an ER doctor uh, that we're going to get into in a little bit. Um, but Liz, tell us about yourself. And you grew up in New Orleans. I did indeed. Hi, David. Um, I did grow up here in New Orleans. Uh, my family's been here forever. Um, I attended uh, Academy of the Sacred Heart, went to LSU for undergraduate, and went to Tulane for graduate school, um, where I got a master's degree in social work. Wow. And you have four young men who are um, you've been able to keep in the faith. Yes, um, and I, I, that that has been a true miracle. And I have to tell you that um, I think they've kept me in the faith as much as maybe I've kept them in the faith, or as much as my husband and I have kept them in the faith. Um, we were fortunate that they went to Holy Name of Jesus School, and you know, church was fun because they saw their friends at church, and at ten thirty mass, they were able to get coffee and donuts after mass, and so that is sort of what led us to a deeper faith. I mean, I think, you know, some wise person said, you become by doing. And so by showing up, we became better, better, more religious people. And I can imagine those young men went through a lot of those donuts. They went through a ton of donuts. And just as you see them sometimes misbehaving and poking each other and giving each other wet willies <laughs> now it. at church, yeah. they used to do the very same thing when they were young. So we I can't imagine. Well, we immediately put them at, at the very earliest point we could, we put them into altar service. So they were altar servers. And, you know, by the time the last one graduated from Jesuit high school, they had a combined 35 years of altar service at Holy Name. They all served through high school. The older three served somewhat through college, like as master of ceremonies, or they'd come in for, you know, the high holy days for Easter, for midnight mass, that kind of thing. And, you know, when the baby graduated from high school, I, it popped up on my, you know, on my photo reel a couple of days ago, because this is right up on the anniversary of, of his last service. I cried like a baby. In the, in the church pew. I really cried like a baby because it just was, it was really meaningful to have them all be altar service all the way through. And I think that is what made the difference for them. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's rare that the, the young people who are raised Catholic, you know, a lot of them made large percentage drift away. And I don't see it in these guys. They uh, they have not drifted away. And in fact, it's a really interesting thing because um, they're all marrying Catholic girls. And, beautiful. And oddly enough, none of the girls are from New Orleans. None, you know, have ties to Holy Name. Um, I'm sure in some world they would want to get married in, in their towns. But I think because they've been brought to Mass with us, on Sundays throughout the courtship, they're, they're all getting married at Holy Name. They all picked Holy Name, you know, with their fiancés, my sons. I, I just, I love it. I mean, it's just, you know. Well, they have to, they're here. They sense the community that we have 
We are really blessed with that community. We (laughs) we do. And it's a beautiful church. It is Uh, a beautiful church. And, you know, I will say this. I sometimes worry about the great beauty of the church. I I think it's sort of, at times, it's like the beautiful woman that everybody looks at from a distance and thinks she can't possibly be nice because she's so beautiful. I I think with our church parish, sometimes people say, oh, that's that St. Charles Avenue parish, or that's that beautiful old uptown church. And I wish if we could just bring them in, they would learn so much about who we are as a community. I, I just, I'm so grateful for that community, for the church community and for the school community. Yeah, it, it, it is a great, great community, and you always have to throw it out to Father Mark Thibodeau. He is a great leader. He brings everyone together. I've never seen leadership like that to bring people in and be part of the decision-making and the planning, and uh, I can't help but say about the amazing fundraising i think you are the chairman chairwoman i'm i'm one of i'm one of the operational chairs and i'm i'm i sit on the um on the executive team with father mark with our principal kirsch and with our development director amy nolan which we've exceeded the budget or the goal of five million we exceeded the original goal we are um working towards a stretch goal of seven million dollars um we currently have um a little over 5.6 million dollars in the bank we're getting ready to enter into our last 100 days of fundraising. We are hoping to get to $7 million by the end of December. And um, if we can find some wonderful grants, wonderful people that, that are willing to trust in us, our real hope would be to get another $2 million, which would enable us to build a gym for our kids all in this single phase of capital campaign, which in the long run would raise, would, would, I'm sorry, in the, long, in the long run would save a lot of money because we wouldn't have to do undo anything that we had done. Um, but the other piece of that is I think our kids deserve a gym. I mean, we're probably the only school in Uptown New Orleans that doesn't have a gym. We still have a blacktop. And we have a main amazing amount of people applying to the school. We've we, got more uh, applicants than opportunity. And in a time, I mean, listen to what you just said, because that's really important. I mean, there was a, a big article in the newspaper last week talking about how many Catholic schools nationwide are closing down enrollment is in decline we are we are so blessed at holy name you know but the the problem is we had to turn 80 families away because we didn't have enough spaces in our early childhood education program so if we, if this you know i know we're going to i know we're going to reach 9 million i just know we are in my heart and amen, soul amen amen i know we are and when we do we'll be able to take these kids in and that more families develop into the parish. Yes, and, and and more opportunities for kids to be altar servers. For I mean, you know, I'm sure you've noticed my kids are Eucharistic ministers. They're lectors. If you plug them in when they're little, they develop a lifelong faith, and that faith will carry them through the you know those times in your life when you knock to your knees. That's that's what faith is about, right? And it is exactly what it's about. Um, in addition to once we passed uh, a better place to go, but. Um, Congratulations on that fundraising. It has been amazing to watch. I've watched it from the beginning. I'm on the parish council with you. And to watch it grow has been fantastic. Congratulations. And if anyone listening has an inclination to say, hey, let me help Holy Name of Jesus School, uh, because they're doing so well, they're attracting so many families that are expanding the faith lives of families, which is what it's all about, uh, it's a great place to go look for uh, a donation, Holy Name of Jesus. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. That's, I mean, that's obviously not why I'm here visiting with you today, but I, I will say I'm so grateful for what my family has received being part of that community. I mean, I haven't had a kid at Holy Name School in probably 15 years, and I'm still giving my time to them because I, I know, I know on what a deep, visceral level they changed our lives. Well, it impacts us as well, uh, just being members of the community. It's beautiful. And with a high school daughter, um, it, it's a wonderful place to be. We, we, Liz and I actually and our families go to the 6 o'clock Mass, and we're the captains of the uh, liturgical and uh, Eucharistic minister. Oh, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a captain. I'm just a church lady. You are a captain. <laughs> 
you your name's listed right there with mine as the captain. So, uh, okay. Uh oh. <laughs> you didn't know. I was the altar server coordinator for le- for years, um, and then finally gave that up. I guess they gave me a new title. Yes, yes. I, I saw it come out, and I was like, okay, uh, we're cool. I, I think that means more work. <laughs> I tried not to burden you with anything further, but um, you talked about getting through some tough times, and we're going to take a quick. A station identification, and then we're going to come back and talk about how your family went through COVID with your Parkview guest house and your husband being an emergency room doctor at East Jefferson Hospital. Tough, 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 tough thing to get through, but your faith is what you relied on and, and you got through. So again, this is David Anderson, host of Cross Training. We are doing a show from Loyola University at the Uptown Studios with Albert DuPont Jr. at the Switches and Jeff Blackwell back home at home office at Catholic Community Media. And if you have any uh, desires to look at previous shows, it's on the podcast. You can just go to Catholic Community Media and see all the different shows that we have on this great station that I joined uh, because after listening when I was taking my turn Oof, 12 years ago or something, uh, you know, to being really devout, um, Catholic community radio is what really would help me. All the different programs they have on there. Father John Ricardo, uh, was one of my favorites, but it just, when you put it on that dial and you start listening and you really get, um, a fortunate time to be swept up and learn more about the faith. So, well, we're, we're back with you, Liz, and, um, COVID hit you hard. COVID. When we didn't ever actually catch COVID by some, I, I don't know, by the grace of God or by, I, I don't know. But but my husband, um, who is 63, um, is and was a frontline worker in the emergency room um, at East Jefferson General Hospital. Um, and my eldest son was also an emergency room resident in training at University Medical Center. Um, so it was a, it was, it was, it was something because it was just, gosh, it was this time of such great panic and, and unknown. And I'll, I'll never forget, um, the day, March 13th, cause it was a Friday the 13th. We were hosting, um, a group of, um, our fellow, um, mentors who were mentoring couples through the, through the faith and through the process of becoming married in the Catholic faith at a holy name. They all came for dinner that night. None of us really at that point knew anything. Like we knew something bad was happening, but we didn't know how bad it was. And Terry came home and we got through this dinner. And, you know, as we were getting ready for bed, he said, you know, there's, um, there's a, there's a chance that I was exposed to, to COVID today in the emergency room. And um, mind you, y'all, this is before people had all this PPE wear and stuff. This is, you know, oh, wow. they, he was just in his regular clothes. And he said, I'm, uh, there's a chance I've been exposed. And I said, oh, my gosh, I, you know, what, what does that mean? And he said, I, 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 nobody knows. He said, nobody knows, but it's it could be bad. And um, at that time, it took a couple of days to get the test back for COVID. And that was, was before so they put the lockdown on? And that was before the lockdown was All on. we were seeing was stuff in Italy and China. And, and, and remember, we had just had like a, a couple of whispers after Mardi Gras a, yes. about things. And yes. we were, they were beginning to talk about it. It was right before the famous, you know, um, St. Patrick's Day celebration when you know yes. the mayor got mad and then we went into oh, lockdown yeah. after yeah. that. Yeah, so yeah. we weren't in lockdown but but we knew it was bad. We just didn't know what it what it meant. And um and so on on Sunday he came home from work and he was gray. I mean he was gray and he looked at me and he said I that patient tested positive. I've been exposed to COVID. And, you know, every day you just learn so much more. So by the time we got to Sunday I went, Oh uh, you know, I just I burst into tears and of course, you know, the first place I went was Holy Name for six o'clock mass. And, um, of course, Terry didn't go because we didn't want to expose anybody. And, you know, and I thought, I mean, what if I expose somebody? So instead of sitting up in the front section where you and I and our family sit, I, I, I just, I snuck into the back row and I, you know, was literally in the back row on the right. And I was just, I was crying in the back of the church and just thinking how, you know, what happens? How do we get through this? What happens if my husband dies? What, you know, what's happening in the world? And all of a sudden I looked up to my right and there's this magnificent stained glass window that I'd, I'd never 
seen before. You know, it was just it was just right there, and it was Jesus at the bedside of of a sick child. It turned out to be, um, Father Mark told me, it turned out to be um, the daughter of Jairus, who was twelve years old and had died, and and Jesus brought her back to life. And I just I looked at that stained glass window and I thought, okay, there's a there's a message from God right here. Absolutely. I, there's there are no accidents, right? There, there, I was put I, I was put in that place at that time at what was one of the lowest, scariest moments of my entire life. And I knew this great peace came over me and I knew that whatever happened, I was going to be okay. That didn't mean that we were going to live. It didn't mean, but I knew that that God was going to give me the strength to face whatever it was that was coming down the pike. And from then on, it was, um, we had really scary moments and really, you know, we almost lost our business because I work in hospitality and, you know, and it just, there was just a lot of stress in our lives. But at that moment, it was almost like I had a laser focus upon what is most important in life. And it was a gift from God right there from the Holy Spirit. Wow. I can't imagine in the hospitality business, your husband's in the ER room. It sounds like a bad joke, doesn't it? It sounds like the start of a, of a Hallmark movie that hopefully ends up well. Uh, or a joke about two people bad. walk into a bar together. Yeah, one's yeah. a doctor and one's a hospitality person who can afford right. to pay the bill, right? right. <laughs> so he had to go in severe lockdown. He did. We, we both, we, well, our whole family wound up because, you know, I mean, the thing, um, I think the hardest thing was the isolation. I, you know, our friends, as they should have, but our friends, for the most part, all just kept their distance because we were, I mean, we were typhoid Terry. I mean, that's what we laughed about typhoid Terry. We'd walk, we have some best friends that live up the street from us and we'd go for a walk with our cocktails in hand and the dogs and trying to sort of get out into the fresh air and they'd see us coming and they'd back up. And that's how it was. And, you know, one time um, they invited us for, um, for drinks on the sidewalk and they made sure that we were separated by like 12 feet. And they, you know, it was, it was a really, it it was a lonely time. It was such, a lonely time and I know it was lonely for everybody but um, it just what a dark we dark talk time. about that often on the show just about loneliness and how um, how awful it is I was just in New York City with my daughter doing a modeling shoot uh, last couple of days and I was sitting there watching people go by and I couldn't help but think that old Beatles song look at all the lonely people even in that crowded place, it just seems a lot of loneliness. Uh, I, I think so. And even, you know, as you're pointing out, outside of COVID, there's just so much loneliness. And, I, you know, I, I, I think we are called as people to, to try to make people feel less lonely where we can. And whether that's making eye contact, smiling, whether that's talking with somebody over the groceries in the produce section or whether that's holding a door open for somebody. I mean, you never know what's going to spark somebody to feel part of community. And that's where I hopefully uh, any listeners that suffer from loneliness, go to your parish. Go join that parish. Go oh, start yes. going to mass, get involved, become a lector, a Eucharistic minister, and you can just feel a lot of stuff coming to life. You become friends with people, and we're fortunate to have such an active parish with our first Friday breakfast and our movie nights and uh, our women of wisdom. I've just signed my mom up for women of wisdom. You know, my mom is going through a really rough time. She's just put her husband um, in into Poydras home, and because he's just got terrible dementia, and she's sort of been at a loss. And she's really, you know, we've plugged her in, and she's going to be starting with women of wisdom, which is just a fabulous group of women over the age of 50. My wife is in it. Is she in it? Okay, so you know, and it's going to, well, good. Hopefully, hopefully, Una will take my mom under her wings. Well, they have, uh, (laughs) she hadn't been going too much with law school, but uh, she's a member of it. And they have a very interesting meeting coming up very soon. uh, Talk about new directions of the church and who's ordained and uh, should be very interesting. I, I want to go to the meeting. I think that would be very interesting. We'll see where how it all shakes out. You know, I'm very comfortable with my church where it is, though. 
I am as well. <laughs> I, although I wouldn't mind seeing one or two or three or four of your sons become deacons. You know, we, we really thought one was going to be a priest. I mean, for the longest time, he was the most devout. Like You'd walk into Holy Name, and before Mass, he'd be kneeling at the altar at the age of nine. And we all just thought, is this child going to be a priest? But remember, we, we all have our calling. And, you know, God, God will lead you where you're supposed to be. His calling seems to be to marriage now. But, you know... God, they're all ministries, every one of them. I'm an advocate of marriage. How could me too? <laughs> <laughs> and again, this is uh, David Anderson, host of Cross Training, and we come to you from the beautiful Uptown Studios at Loyola University with Albert Dupont at the switches, Jeff Blackwell back home making us all sound good, and uh, we're on Catholic Community Media. So get a chance, look us up online. We've got all the podcasts of all the shows and and patronize the sponsors of the of Catholic Community Media because it really does reach out to people and help. It's a line that says, hey, man, this is a good place. Catholicism is, is a, the right place to be and back it up by having very smart people, besides our show, talking <laughs> about the faith. And it's just from a logical standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. We were just talking about friends who are atheists and, you know, how do they get through these troubled times? I, I can't imagine. I, I don't I don't think that I could be an optimist without faith. You know, I mean, I've had lots of low moments in my life, but they always last for such a short time because somehow the Holy Spirit reminds me that there's something better coming in the future and I, I i just i don't know i i and i don't ever want to hurt anybody's feelings but i've, I've had a, a a couple of conversations with friends but I, you know you don't want to be rude and delve too deep but i just i, I have to say i pray for them and and not in a way that i think they're damned or i think they're you know but i just pray that at some point people who don't believe in god will have their eyes opened because frankly i i think it would just be such a sad life if i didn't know that somebody was walking right there beside me and, you know, as the famous line goes, picking me up and carrying me along when I can't walk myself. Well, I'm sure you had to rely deeply on that going through COVID with your husband working in ER, you with a hotel with no guests, <laughs> but somehow the bank still saying, uh, yay, bills are due. And well, the bank was very helpful. They did, you know, put us on a temporary abatement of our mortgage note, which really, really helped. Um, and then, you know what? Because it always does, life came back. It was almost like one day the sun started shining again and the flowers birds started chirping, up. the flowers yeah. came up, and, and people started coming back to the park view. And, um, you know, and I, I was really lucky because. You know, um, I refused to lay anybody off because the people at my little hotel are like a family. I mean, some of them have been there longer than than me. I mean, you know, there a couple of the wonderful housekeepers were there when we bought the Parkview 15 years ago, and they've stayed on. And so, you know, when it came time to figure out how we were going to make it through the mess, and we were waiting to get our PPP loans and all that, you know— my husband was like, well, I mean, you know, can we keep everybody on? And I said, we have to keep everybody on. And and we made this commitment that, you know, even if it took food off of our table, because, of course, you know, his salary went down by 40% because no patients were coming into the ER. So we were, unless they had COVID. So we were literally just scrambling and trying to figure out how to how to get through how each day and what bills we could pay and what bills we weren't going to be able to pay. And we just both decided that we were going to make sure that our staff you know, had food on their table, be you know, before we did. And you know what happened? The extraordinary thing is, because of that, we kept them, they'd come in, they'd clean a hotel that was empty. We started being able to practice all the important ways that you get ready for guests during COVID and, you know, how to make things safe. And, and so when the world opened up again, my staff was trained just because we'd been practicing all those months, sanitizing and UV lighting and doing that. And, and, and because of that, we never missed a beat. And isn't that a blessing? I mean, that's the Indeed. most amazing thing. We had our same little team in place and our team is in place still today. And I, you know, I don't know. Sometimes and I must say they're good neighbors, uh, <laughs> right around the corner for me. I always say, uh, I'm going up to my ballroom. And that's my right. Wife, the yeah, neighborhood that's, tavern. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I prefer just to call it a ballroom. It gives much, much, much more seedy sound effect to this beautiful, uh, place you have over there. 
but it's it's fun just to tell my wife I'm going up to the bar room and <laughs> and my, she'll tell my daughter if you need your daddy's at the bar room well it's a place where everybody knows your name right David oh, for sure for sure <laughs> even knows your drink <laughs> my red breast uh, lady doesn't have to ask this is David Anderson, and we're broadcasting from the beautiful Uptown Loyola Studios at Catholic Community Media, and we've got a great guest, Liz Creel. So, you get through COVID, things are back on track. How's your faith life now? Uh, you know... What's your prayer life? Well, let me tell you, all the way through COVID, my, my prayer was... was the prayer of St. Francis. And and I just, you know, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to consoled, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, because it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is dying that we are born to eternal life. And that that prayer got Beautiful. me through it. It got me through it. And it continues to get me through it. Because the challenge is, now that we're all back to going 90 miles an hour, it's really easy to forget our faith, except on Sunday at 6. And it's really easy to forget that people are lonely, that people were lonely, that bad things happen. And I just, every night, every night, I, that's the prayer I say. If I'm at a stoplight and I'm in a quandary, that's the prayer I say. When I'm at adoration on Monday afternoon, that's the first prayer I say. And, um, you know, and it's, it gives me such great peace. I mean, let us all be light in the dark for one another. Isn't adoration beautiful? It is. It's, it is, I, you know, it, it really is. Um, and, I, you know, the funny thing is, I serve at the same time as somebody else that is one of our honorary chairs for the capital campaign. And, you know, we're both kind of doers. So we, we sometimes, when nobody is in adoration, we both start talking about, you know, the capital campaign. <laughs> I'm like, Claire, we have to stop because we have to pray. And and she's this wonderful lady in her 80s, and she'll say, you know what, Liz Creel? Some people are prayers and some people are doers. We're doers and we're doing the Lord's work. And and you know, there's something to that. It takes all of us. That's not to say that I'm not praying in adoration and she's praying in adoration too. But there is the Lord calls you to be who you are in service to him. You don't get to choose your charism. It's it's funny. The lady who's in charge of Women of Wisdom, Jane McMurray, who I'm just crazy about. Yes. One day I was, um, you know, I was fussing because I, I really like to do direct service. I mean, that's why I'm a, I was a social worker for so many years. I, I I want to be able to see the fruits of my labor. I don't like meetings. I don't like asking people for money. I don't, you know, all those things. And I was sort of whining to her, and she said, Liz Crow, you don't get to pick your charism. The The Holy Spirit picks your, picks your charism for you, and she's right. And, you know, once you become comfortable with the idea that you're not in control, an awful lot of the stress abates because you know God's in control and he has your best interest at heart, right? Turn it over. And That's the best interest of the world, right? All for the greater glory of God. I went to a uh, funeral service for one of the big sponsors of, of Catholic Community Media, uh, Dr. Cusimano. His wife passed early. I think she was uh, 62, my age. Oh. Cancer had come back. She'd beat it once, come back. But he said, it had a beautiful rosary and a mass. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful celebration of her life and her faith. She was deeply uh, faithful to her faith. And he said, he, she just wants you to remember these two simple things. To never quit and always pray. Wow. I said, if you remember my wife by anything else, never quit and always pray. It's just, it just, I had never met the woman. Wow. 
That's very powerful. And it was really powerful. felt like I really knew her after that service. He gave one of the best eulogies I've ever heard. He gave the life. eulogy for yes. his wife? Yes. Wow. That's how composed this man is. Well, great faith. There, there speaks to his faith. He knows he's going to see her again, and he knows she's out of pain, and he knows that she's dancing yep. up in heaven watching over him. There's a man who talked about faith. He um, had a successful dentist, dental practice, gave it all up to coach and became a prolific basketball coach. Wow. And coached here at Loyola and became an athletic director at Loyola. And, uh, That's wonderful. And Again, said, that was the Lord's telling me, work with the kids. Work with the kids. That's what I want you to do. And he went from a big salary of running his own dental practice to like a $8,500 dollar a year graduate assistant <laughs> and his wife supported him when he came home and said that isn't that so, the key right she had faith she, she had faith in him and faith that it would all work out faith in god it was nice to see someone pass and have a rosary and a mass it was really really beautiful uh it's nice when someone can pass and the family is all around and friends and and it's beautiful it, there's something so comforting about the rituals of the Catholic faith, it, isn't, isn't that it? the truth? You know, we um, we we went. My my brother-in-law, who oh my heavens, I loved him so much, and he died a couple weeks ago, and um, he was Baptist up in North Louisiana, and so we went up there to his funeral, and it was a beautiful funeral, and it was exactly what he wanted, but I I really needed the ritual of the Catholic burial mass like I, and I know I know where he went I know he went to heaven I, you know I know he's right there with God and he's a wonderful wonderful man but I felt so sad that I didn't have my Catholic ritual mass I mean our, our rituals are just um I, I love them and I do too they're beautiful they're ancient and uh, I love the candles the incense uh, our prayers um, you know we were out of the country not too long ago went to Mass, and it's amazing that you can be anywhere in the world and that Mass is the exact same. You may not speak the language, but you can read the You can follow along, the absolutely. Readings, uh, the Gospel, and it's, you, know, you think about that, it's rather amazing. For 2,000 years. You know, for an institution <laughs> to survive 2,000 years, and I, I say this often, you know, if you're wondering who founded the Catholic Church, just Google it. <laughs> and it, Google will tell you, Jesus Christ. Which is remarkable. What a gift, huh? It will um, give us the best opportunity to stand the test of time. We have a lot of attacks on the church in every direction. Oh, it makes me so sad. You know, my husband was just saying the other day, you know, why don't we ever, why don't we ever hear about Pope Francis? I mean, why, why is he never, why, why is he never in the news? And, you know, you only hear the bad stuff, you know, and everybody's so quick to, you know, put a front page story about something terrible that's happened in, in, in our church. And I just, it, it breaks my heart because I feel like it's, you know, we are getting, we're getting it from all sides, and and yet the church is so strong, and I think that that if we can withstand attacks, the church will continue to get stronger and stronger. And that's the, I mean, gosh, not to talk about holy name again, but seriously, I mean, we're in a world where the Catholic faith and the Catholic education are being undermined at every turn, and we have this little gem in the middle of uptown that's that's thriving two gems our school and our parish that are thriving and if that's not proof that faith will wins out i don't know what is and at a time when we need it more than ever Ooh, yeah again this is david anderson host of cross training we have liz creel with us today she's uh one of the leaders of our community at holy name she and her whole family but Liz in particular, everyone in the whole parish knows her, loves her, and respects her, uh, not only just for the work she does, but everyone knows she's a woman of deep faith, and that's a lot of respect that comes with that. And we're broadcasting from the Uptown Studios at the Mike Early Studio at Loyola University with Albert DuPont Jr. at the Switches and Jeff Blackwell making us smooth and sound uh, much better than we do in normal life. So a 
at some point in the show, we generally talk about food, <laughs> which is always a nice thing to deviate from. But um, you serve a good food venue uh, at your at your establishment. We really don't. We serve breakfast. Well, you serve the uh, the box. Oh, the the, um, the cheese boards that we do. We do. We sell cheese boards at the in the bar at the Gilded Perch Bar. We do have cheese boards, and they have different sausages in them. Mm -hmm. Sausages and cheeses, heart, and some little know. crackers. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very familiar with them. I've ordered them <laughs> a couple times, uh, and they're delicious. I'm so glad you approve. I, I do indeed. Uh, I had some salami and Swiss on a cracker. It was just delicious. It was kind of just what I was looking for. Well, we give you just a little something to keep you there. You know, we, mm -hmm. it, it's really funny. When we first opened the bar, um, we had no intention of, you know, I mean, not even peanuts. We just weren't even thinking. We just didn't. We just didn't. We weren't thinking about. We just thought we didn't know the bar would be busy and that people would love it and want to come. And um, and an old friend of mine, James Moises, who is also an ER physician, but now um, is a full-time wine merchant. So, of course, we went to him to buy wine for the Parkview. And James said, well, what are you going to serve guests? And I said, we're not going to serve them any food. We don't want to get involved in that. We're not, you know, we don't want to have a license for that. We don't want to do that. And um, the workaround is to get, um, and he said, you have to, because if you don't, people are going to leave. They're going to leave. They're going to have one glass of wine and they're going to, you know, or one red breast and they're going to move on to the next place. And so I said, oh. So we were able to get Martin's Wine Cellar to um, provide us with the cheeses and sausages and stuff that we serve. And that way, you know, it's just, it's boxed and, you know, we'll put it on a board. So you get it just in that box, just mm -hmm. like it is? It's well, perfect. We, yeah, it comes, It we put it in the box, but yeah, it comes just about in the box. It is perfect. It's great. And, um, you know, it does give somebody a little bit of nosh before they go out to dinner. But, but really, talking about food, you know, the Creoles, every one of us love to cook. And our favorite thing in the world is to get together and cook together. And we've just come back from a beach trip where we would all be in the kitchen cooking together. One night it was barbecued, barbecued shrimp. The next night it was an eggplant lasagna from the eggplants we'd grown um, in our garden. And just we all love, we all, well, you can tell by looking at us, we're all chubby. We love to eat and we really love to cook. I resemble that remark. <laughs> I feel like all the best people do. <laughs> they know how to live. Well, I cook a lot i do most of the cooking and uh there's nothing better than your whole family being around particularly if you're at the beach and everybody great. cooking and eating that is and drinking some wine that's as good of a time as you can have in life well you know we one thing we ascribe to raising our kids is we had dinner at the table every single night of their lives and if if when even when they were in high school and they had football practice at jesuit we had dinner after they got home from football practice at Jesuit. And, you know, we had interesting conversations. You know, they were all quiz bowl kids. So we'd be talking quiz bowl at the table. We'd be talking medicine at the table. They were just, it was just, has always been such a vibrant part of our life. And I guess that's why on Sunday nights, if you, um, if you're, a, if you're a Creole child and you show up for mass, you get to go to Louisiana Pizza Kitchen for dinner after. But if you don't go to mass, you don't get to come to dinner. <laughs> You go to bed hungry. You go to bed hungry even if you're 30. <laughs> we still do. We cook and eat at the table and put it in bowls and serve out of the bowls. And it is uh, every now and then we'll say, yeah, I want to watch a movie while we eat. And it's like kind of a treat, Friday night or something. Oh, absolutely. And it, it's fun. But most nights we're cooking and we eat right at the table and we try to cook healthy stuff, but delicious and uh it's a good time. My daughter will sometimes complain. It, it, the conversation we have is unlike any other time of the day that we all sit together and have a conversation and talk. Okay. That's the key. That's that's the whole key is is you have an opportunity to be with your family. You start with a blessing, right? You start yep. with a blessing, and you eat together. And, and all the anger in the world can't stand up in the face of being forced to sit together at the table, you know, so so little irritations, much like when you're in mass. I mean, think about it, because mass is sitting at the table too, right? And so there have yes, been moments, literally. literally, when I've gone into mass, mad at my dear sweet husband, or irritated with a child. Or, I know you're scowling. How could you be mad at Terry? He'd... <sighs> 
Every now and then. No, absolutely not. Every now and absolutely then. And it's not. always his fault. No. <laughs> No, you misinterpreted something, I can assure you. But, you know, but what I'm saying is you go in there and you're mad and, you know, you have to hold hands and say the Our Father and you have to say peace be with you. And and so the anger abates just like it does when you're at table together in, in your house. I mean, it's very much the same thing and it's a ritual. Just at home when you're eating with your family, it's a ritual. And I think it's just, um, you know, for us, food is love. And I guess, you know, cooking in the kitchen is is full of love, and it's just much like being at Mass. I don't think I've ever made that connection. I mean, I know, right. you know, but such Same an thing. obvious connection until yes, just this is. moment. Yes, it is. And it's funny. Uh, there's nothing better than walking into a house that food is being cooked. Oh, there is smell. Nothing. Yeah. You know, sometimes if I'm, if I'm heating something, I've already cooked it, and I'm, you know, reheating it or leftovers sometimes i'll just throw a little garlic and some olive oil in the pan just to get everybody uh, garlic and olive oil just garlic is the thing it just feels so it (laughs) smells so good and uh my wife and daughter will come oh what's cooking what's cooking and just i don't tell them i said well we're having this and all right all right but they're already stimulated. The and it, smell wafts through the house. It brings them into your kitchen, which gives you an opportunity does. to visit. Yes. That's the other thing. So we have a good ritual. I do the cooking. I do most of the grocery shopping and the cooking. And my wife and daughter do the cleanup. Oh, wow. Well, we all cook. I mean, the Creel men can almost put me under the bus with their cooking. Like, we really, we all love to cook. And we all have kind of our specialties. And... Honestly, the holidays are my favorite because everybody has something that is special that they bring to the table. You know, my Henry makes this amazing spinach, spinach madeleine and Benji's famous spinach madeleine. Spinach, yeah, like a spinach madeleine. Oh, it's spinach with cheese. Oh, so many calories. I mean, I, if I told you the recipe, you'd gain weight. Like it's just, you know, it's fabulous. And then somebody, Benji makes homemade biscuits and, you know, Cal works the turkey and, you know, Zach usually does the hors d'oeuvres and somebody else makes milk punch and, you know, Terry, when he's not at work, frequently has to work that shift because we don't have young babies anymore so you know he'll work the day of thanksgiving or the day of christmas and you know we'll have our meal a little bit later or something like that and um you know and everybody participates and you should see mardi gras i mean you're you're our friend now so we expect you to show up but for mardi gras it's like eight straight days of creoles in the kitchen cooking and we don't miss a parade okay well where do you we go Every night. Okay, we well, have to come to our house and see. Now, we're well, a little bit more of a down. commitment. Yeah, we're you're a big commitment. Down. We're in the Garden District, yeah. so the night ends a little bit later. But when I tell you, especially on the weekend, Terry will be outside with the black pot cooking up giant we'll be out there. I mean, come see us, because we, we do it. We, we do had it. a good friend for years who lived on First in St. Charles, Phyllis Landrew. Oh, I love Phyllis. Yeah. And um, it was one of the best places in the whole world to catch a parade. Okay, well, we're eighth- should I say that? I guess it's safe to say. We, we, we live inside know. the box. Know. Come on, Catholics, come <laughs> see us. We live at Britannia and 8th Street, so we're one block off the parade route, which I have to say I think is better because you can you can get away from, you know, you just have to walk three houses up to the street, but you can get away from it. And, and for us, really, Mardi Gras happens in the backyard. It's seeing those people we only see two times a year or, you know, right. friends of friends. I mean, it's it's the best. It's just the best. I love Mardi Gras. I absolutely love it. I'm part of a group that uh, founded Crew d'Etat. Are you really part of the Crew d'Etat group? Wow. That's how I met my wife. I was the only Democrat in the bunch. (laughs) So my task was to go to City Hall and get the Friday night permit. (laughs) And my wife was working at City Hall as a legislative aide. I remember. (laughs) And we had to rewrite an ordinance, and uh, we got the permit. And uh, it was the start. We knew if we got the Friday night permit, we'd create a lot of demand. Oh, it's it's one of our very favorite parades. I mean, it's it really is. It, that is one. Sometimes we're tempted to be back at the house drinking a beer and stirring the pot of gumbo or making the red beans, but that is one that That's I always try to get it's out for. It's a great for. parade. And uh, it was really funny. One year when she was on the school board, they actually had a float with her grabbing the gavel. Uh, oh. <laughs> Did yeah, you we, know about that float? Yeah, of course, of course. That was really funny. That's adorable. It was funny. Uh, she didn't like it too much. She thought it was a, didn't look well. 
Well, let me just point out, grabbing the gavel, maybe it was a premonition because now she's in law school. There you go. There you go. Well, <laughs> I think I think they. I won't go into the rest of who she was ga- taking it from <laughs> and who was grabbing that person, uh, but they were law enforcement. Sounds like politics <laughs> as usual in New Orleans. <laughs> at, it, at its lowest, at its <laughs> lowest. So here you are, young middle-aged woman. Thank you for adding the young to that. <laughs> you're most welcome, and you're much my junior, so it's it's legit. You have a incredible business that you have brought up from uh, where it was when you bought it to <laughs> in the gutter when we right? bought it. <laughs> uh, you bought that right about the same time we bought our house. We bought our house in '06. Yes, it was about the same time. We might have been '07 or '08, right after you. Mm-hmm. And. Um, you know, there were yeah. lots of challenges in the neighborhood with it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you, you've got it now to a place where people come hang out on Friday night on that great porch, one of the best porches in the city of New Orleans. I feel like it is. That, you have I, a I drink that on way. that porch. You're on St. Charles Avenue. The ceiling fans are going. It doesn't matter what the temperature is. It, there's a breeze coming in from the park. It's just beautiful. Even a uh, 100-degree temperature, you can go over there in the afternoon have a drink, and you feel like it's about 70 degrees. You've got so much breeze coming. You know, last night there were three tables out on the front porch, and I had a hen party of of, um, Jesuit wrestling moms. We were all inside drinking, and there were some Ursuline teachers that were, you know, in the dining room having a drink after their first, you know, long day at work. And I went out and I said, y'all, please come inside. It's so hot out on this porch. And, you know, you're welcome to be inside the building, like the whole place. You're welcome to be inside. Oh, no, we're enjoying it out here. And I thought, ooh. That, those are strong people that are well, enjoying the breeze it. Comes off, there is a breeze, and we have the, fans and stuff. It the, does. Off the park and the fans, uh, it, it's beautiful. It, well, thank you. Wait, wait, have you seen my new black and white marble floors that we put I in have, last week? I have, and they're so good looking, they look like they've been there forever. I know. I'm, it's like it, the best like they thing belong ever. There. I keep wondering if I'm going to ever walk in and and not notice them. I walked in this morning with groceries and pillows and towels and all the stuff for you know for the move-in chaos that's about to to rain down on us. And the first thing I thought when I walked through the back door was, "Wow, look at those floors! <laughs> they look terrific." It's and that's one of my favorite designs of a floor. It's like the uh, St. Louis Cathedral. Oh, it is a little like yes, it is. Isn't yeah. that funny? Yes, I'm sure probably got the idea from there you know it's just that's one of my favorite you know that black and white marble it's beautiful and it's just uh well let me tell you as classic as can be it looks like it just has been there since the building was built which is probably goes back to the 1884 World's Fair. 1884, yes. There's been, you know, funny enough, there's been some disagreement about whether it's 1884 or 1894, but your friend that you brought to the Gilded Perch Bar, the, you know, earlier this summer told me that without a doubt it was 1884 because we have the same architect that he had. And that architect, I can't remember the name, but that architect is also the architect that built the house or, you know, the big building that was, you know, the center of the World's Fair that then got shipped down the river to wherever it lives now. But he said, without a doubt, he said, it's 1884. I can promise you because your house was here before mine. And I was like, ah, I'm glad to know that because I've been saying 1884 and just deciding that we're not going to let a good story, you know. And mine was 1890. Yes. So there's right. Yeah. Exactly. It's an. It's got to be 1884. Well, I think the uh, the pieces of wood, the shingle wood mm-hmm. that you have on it, dates it as accurately as it can be because that was all done with the World's Fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you see those on those shingles on some of the houses around. Well, I love that park. place. I love that place. It's 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 like one of my children. It's probably my fifth child. I would think you're fifth, sixth, and seventh. <laughs> It is a labor of love. It's certainly not making me wealthy, but it's a a wonderful labor of love. Why did you buy it? 
Oh, this is kind of a funny story. Um, and you probably don't have enough time left in the hour. But the long and the short of it is, um, I had been president of the Junior League of New Orleans during the Katrina year. And um, we had lots of damage to the buildings and 80% of our membership had had damage to their houses and their businesses. And so it was just quite a year. And, um, and I stuck around another year to help with two of my other dear friends, Shepard in a rebuilding project, which brought 2000 women from around the world. I mean, some came from London and Canada and from um, Mexico to help us do some rebuild projects around. And after that was over with, I sort of sat back to catch my breath and, um, you know, and, and you'd learned a lot to say you're sorry. I mean, one of the things you learn in any community service is, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry. I, you know, that's, I had become one of my favorite words. And so um, my husband looked at me and said, now what? Now what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And he said, well, you could become a Walmart greeter and work in customer service at Walmart because you'd be you'd able be to say, welcome to Walmart. And I'm so sorry that that product didn't agree to you, agree with you. He said, or he said, you know, what if you got into hospitality? And um, and so for two years, we watched the Parkview and we had made an offer and they spurned it because I don't think they realized quite how run down it was when um, when we made our offer. And and then we just we, we it became an obsession. And two years later, we bought it. And um, and the, of course, the problem with that is it was so run down that we couldn't tell anybody we bought it because, you know, how wonderful all of your friends are. All of us in New Orleans want to support one another. And so we couldn't tell anybody because we were afraid somebody would come stay there. And then it recommended, and then they die. So it, we did one little room at a time, one other little room at a time, and finally, you know, finally we were finished, and it was time to tackle the floors. It's beautiful. Thank you. It is, I think it's such an asset to New Orleans, but specifically around Audubon Park. It's just an asset that we don't have many. There are no other places where you can go walk to and and have a drink, see other people. And if you don't want to drink, just some water or Coke. Oh, absolutely. There's nothing else around. Well, it, it is. It's very unique to the neighborhood. And I, I might be wrong, but again, you know, who? let's not let the facts get away, get in the way of a good story. But I, I think I may be the only fully family-run and operated hotel left, you know, along St. Charles Avenue. I wouldn't doubt that one bit. Um, I wouldn't doubt that. Well, we are... Um, Wrapping up, it's been great to have you here. As I said when you came in, one of my favorite people, but you are a lot of people's favorite pe person. You're so kind. Thank you. I don't know about that. I just love people. <laughs> and, and people love you back. Uh, you can see the way everyone greets you all the time. It's, it's beautiful. And it's reflected in how your children carry themselves. It oh. really has passed down. Uh, I want to compliment you on... Your beautiful, beautiful family and how they present themselves and how other people perceive them. It's beautiful. Oh, that means the a, world to me. Thank a, you. It's a uh, real testament to your faith. Well, I, it, it all starts with faith, right? I mean, and we, we just, we know that we had very little to do with how wonderful these young men turned out. It, it was all about God and it was all about Him working through them. And honestly, I, Truly, truly, we are better people without question because of our association with our faith and with Holy Name and with Jesuit and the Jesuits in general. We are, our lives are far richer in, in the meaning of, of, of what true riches are than they would otherwise be. Yeah, you've been, uh, Jesuit indoctrinated for a long time, which is a good indoctrination. <laughs> well, you know, being being people for others is not a bad place no, <laughs> to land. And we'll go ahead and end. We uh, generally just say the Hail Mary and say goodbye to our listeners. So if you'll join me, and hopefully our listeners will join us as well. Hail, Hail Mary, Mary, full of grace, grace the, Lord the Lord is with thee. thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Cross Training with David Anderson is a production of Catholic Community Media.